I should say something about the game last night. Uh, and I'll just say that KU and K-State had the same amount of opportunities and K-State did more with those. And so they, they deserved a win. And I can, I can, I can humbly admit that. Uh, yeah, that's right. Go Cats, I guess. Uh, no, but I, you know, I, I had fun watching the game. I, I watched, Kendall and I watched with some friends last night. It was a really good time. And um, yeah, just excited to be here. So I, as we close our uh, fake identity series, you know, I, Jonathan carried us in the first two weeks and he kind of talked about uh, our corporate identity as a church. What should our identity be? And so he talked about um, being a servant in week one and what that looks like, uh, you know, using the parable that Jesus used to tell his disciples that hey, at the end of our lives, what, what, what better thing would it be than to tell master, to tell our master to tell God that, hey, uh, man, we've done nothing but what we were supposed to do as loyal servants. And that's not like a place of lowliness, but really Jesus said that the greatest among you should be a servant. And so it's really a high calling to live as a servant. And then the next week he talks about being uh, a temple with feet, right? That God's presence lives in us and we are his new temple. And everywhere we go, God's temple is there and how, how to live in that way. And then last week, Jesse carried us talking about, um, you know, living out our God-given identities. And, you know, we don't have to fall into the trap of believing we can be anything, but really God has given us a singular identity as individuals and that actually brings freedom. And that when people live out of that identity, it's the, that's the place that drives God's kingdom forward the most. And so now today, uh, I want to talk about really how can we see ourselves the way that God sees us and really, uh, you know, just calling that an identity check. Uh, and so before we get into that, though, uh, I want to tell you about my dog, a dog that lives in my house. Her, 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 name, her name is Peanut, and uh, she's very old and gross and scraggly. And, you know, uh, it's actually kind of a myth. We don't know how old she is. She, Kendall, Kendall got her when she was three to, three to five years old, and Kendall was in like the eighth grade, so about 14 years ago. And uh, she, if you didn't know any better, you would think she was like six. But I, I'm, I'm hoping any day now that the, the, last, <laughs> the last day will come. If I'm being honest, I just, I love Peanut. Uh, I don't actually. We're, so we're, Peanut and I were sworn enemies. And you might, you might know that, you might not. But basically, when we got Peanut, it was a surprise to me uh, that we were going to receive her. And it was, it was a surprise to Kendall as well. Uh, it was early in our marriage, and her parents couldn't take her anymore, so we, we had to take her in. And I was under the impression that we were going to have Peanut for a short time. And so I was like, you know what? I am not going to tell the apartment complex that we have her because it's only going to be for a little bit. And so one time, it was about a month in that we had her, and She'd already been causing some problems in our marriage, some marital strife. I, uh, basically, we were going to a New Year's party, and we had someone watching her for the night, and, uh, for the weekend, rather. And uh, they weren't home very much, which we thought would be fine. She's a pretty easy dog. But it was a new setting, and so she was very anxious. And so she was barking and making a lot of noise. And she's a small dog, which is another problem. And so she's very whiny. She's very whiny. And um, just the noise that she was making was out of control, I guess. And so the, our neighbors wrote a noise complaint. They were very, they were very upset, and that was a whole other story. They, they, we couldn't talk to them to even apologize. They wouldn't, they wouldn't see us. But, you know, so we, we ended up getting a big fine, a pretty hefty fine. It was like $500 in a time where we were trying to do everything we could to save some money. And so I was very upset, and now I just hold it against Peanut. And I, I you know, I, I, I really do. I, I've not forgiven her and probably never will. 
And so, um, no, so anyways, now I, I can get on Peanut pretty quickly. You know, if she's bothering someone, if, if she's barking when Braylon is asleep, or if um, she's begging at the table for food, it's pretty easy for me just to, you know, kind of get on her and raise my voice at her. And so her response is to obviously kind of be afraid, to, to shake a little bit, to quiver, tail between the legs, to go away from me. But Kendall has a soft spot for Peanut. You know, she's had her since she was a little girl. And, uh, you know, just it has a lot more of a heart for Peanut than I do. And so she will often, even when Peanut does something wrong and knows that Kendall's upset with her, Peanut is still likely to go to Kendall and to, like, ask, like turn and ask for a belly rub, right? And so I really think that Peanut is a great analogy for us as humans and the identities that we live out of. You see what I did there? And so... <laughs> It's, but it's true though, like, like, um, like Peanut, we will respond to failure or adversity based on the identity that we believe God sees us in, okay? And so uh, I, there's a lot to kind of unpack here, and I want to get there, but before I say anything else, I, I think what's most important for today is that we know that Jesus will see us for who we become and not what we've done. But that's how Jesus sees us. He sees us for who we will become and not what we've done. And so... Um, you know, if you've been a believer for a long time or a short time, and maybe you don't believe in God at all, and you're here today, uh, there's kind of two responses often that we'll have when we fail or make a mistake or um, maybe just sin against people in God. And so one response would be to just beat yourself up internally, right? You, you might say things like, man, I'm the worst. I suck. I can't believe I did that. Man, this person will never forgive me. I'm not trustworthy. And, you know, that's actually where I typically tend to reside. Uh, you know, one time I, I had these weekly meetings with Jonathan and Jesse, and they're a lot of fun. But sometimes, sometimes, they're, they're, honestly, my whole life is just out on the table. And they can say whatever they want about that. And it's, it's always good things because it's helping me. But uh, it was like the third week in a row that Jonathan had pointed out something in my life. And it was, it was much needed. It was very warranted. But I just remember we were, we were at my house, actually, and just, like, being really upset. And Jesse, kind of towards the end, was like, you know, hey, man, I, after talking, it seems like you know uh, what you did was wrong and that you should, you know, think about things differently. And, but, like, are you, are you good? You know, and he could just see that internally I was so frustrated. And he's like, you know, I know that you're going to overcome this, but, like, sometimes when we're talking about some of these things, like, I can just tell you're really beating yourself up. And so that, that, you might be like me in that. Right? You might be that person that just internally gets so frustrated at yourself, so mad, you have high expectations, you want to perform well, you want to do well, but it's just when you don't, you beat yourself up. Right? But the other, the other extreme that can be seen, especially in Christians, is that we kind of adopt, we can adopt this like somewhat of a, uh, just a victim mentality where it's like, oh, woe is me, I'm just, I'm just a sinner, I've always been a sinner, I'll always be a sinner. Jesus helped me. Uh, I, I won't change until he sucks me out of the sky, you know, on the last day and he comes back. We'll never change. And, and, and in both cases, neither are true. You know, neither, neither have to be the identity that we walk out of. And so uh, whether you're one or the other or somewhere in between, I really believe that today that we can receive an adjustment that we need to see out of the identity that God has for us. And really, we just need an identity check. And so I, I have a great story about an ID check that I, it doesn't really fit here today. But if you want to hear about when I had a fake ID in college, I will tell you about that story another time. Uh, so anyways, the best place, though, the best place, the best place to have an identity check is really the Bible. And so we're going to look in Ephesians 1 today, verses 3 through 6. And so uh, if you have a Bible, you can read there with me. 
uh, or it's up on the screen for us. All right, so verse three. <clears throat> Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. And so our first identity check for today, our identity checkpoint number one, is do you believe that Jesus sees you for what you will become and not what you've done? You know, as, as you're hearing this and wrestling through it, I think if any part of you doubts that Jesus is looking more forward to who you will become and less to what you've done in the past, then, man, it's a good place to check yourself here and figure out, okay, God, what do you really think about me? You know, when I was first uh, becoming, becoming a Christian, I really wrestled with this idea that, that God really cared for me beyond um, what, I could, what I could see. And, you know, I lived in a habitual sin for a while where I, I could never really defeat it. And because of that, I, I kind of developed this mindset that I would never be able to beat it. And that even though God loved me and that even though he cared for me, I was kind of just stuck in this place of like having to work my way out of a hole. And so the identity I wore was kind of like a slave. Like I had to, I had to believe that God was good in all these things, but really in my own heart, I wrestled with like, man, I don't know if I'll ever be able to overcome this. And because of that, like, the way that I viewed God was, hey, you'll, I know you'll forgive me, and I know that you have great things for me, but like, I, I owe this to you. I owe it to you. And because of that, like, I, I was just in a really unhealthy place, and the way that I viewed the world was that I was always having to dig myself out of a hole. And so I didn't believe that Jesus was more excited about who I was becoming. I believed that I had to always work out of the things I had done in the past. And that's just not true. And so uh, it says that Jesus, in him, we were chosen in him before the foundations of the world. Before the foundations of the world were laid, we were chosen in Jesus. You know, and that's a powerful statement. Before anything was ever created, God knew you and chose you. Just let that sink in, man. Like, why? Why would he choose us, man? But he did, you know, and it's, it's so special. And it doesn't say that we were chosen because we were perfect and we would never make a mistake, or we were chosen for what we would do for God, or we were chosen because we would never doubt him, but we were chosen uh, through, through adoption as sons and daughters in love, right? And that's what's true about our identity here today. And so uh, in verse 7 and 8, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. And this is my favorite part. It says, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Everybody say lavished. 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 Man, when I hear lavished, I think of Tom Haverford from Parks and Rec. And if you don't know him, if you don't know the show, you've got to at least watch it once. It's, Tom is this uh, guy that he's uh, just got all the confidence in the world or maybe lack thereof, but he acts like it. And uh, basically has this thing, you know, treat yourself. Right? Everything is about treat yourself, and he, he's living large and in charge, and uh, you know, it's almost like he could do no wrong. And really, I mean, the, our second identity check, or checkpoint number two would be, does your identity reflect the tone of being lavished in forgiveness and redemption? Right? Not that you should take it for granted, but really, man, do you, do you believe when you're forgiven by God that he holds it over your head? 
All right, and if you do, man, there, there might be, that's a, that's a check mark, like, hey, I need to address that, because he doesn't. Man, God doesn't hold things over our heads. When, when we go to him with a repentant heart and really have a place in our minds of, man, I, God, I'm sorry, I see what I did was wrong, and I want to change, he's quick to forgive. He's quick to forgive. And so uh, just being lavished in forgiveness, you know, I think of like it being soaked in it, you know, like, do you believe you're soaked in redemption? Do you believe you're soaked in forgiveness? Right? Because that's how God sees us. And, you know, certainly our identity should reflect these a- attributes. And it's, you know, out of the heart of these verses that we can live out of a victorious identity. Uh, and it's not, not that just, you know, obviously we know that Jesus sees us for what we'll become and not what we've done. But Paul, he knew that too. And he, he, his uh, heart reflects that in 1 Corinthians in fifth, uh, chapter 15, verses 9 and 10. So Paul writes this. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. I love that. Paul just says it, man. I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was in me. And so, you know, if you don't know about Paul, he uh, used to be known as Saul, persecuted the church. He killed many Christians for what they believed in Je- about Jesus. And he was on the road to Damascus when he had an encounter with Jesus after his death and was blinded, became Paul, and had this new identity. But I love that, you know, Paul says, hey, I was, I was more unworthy than anybody. Nobody deserved the title of apostle less than me. But, and, I, and I did what I did. I am what I am. But God extended grace toward me. And it wasn't without purpose, right? He says it wasn't, without, it was, it wasn't done in vain, but it was, it was really what that means is he did it with, with a purpose in mind. Jesus extended grace towards Paul because he knew what Paul would become, right? And in the same way, man, God's extending grace towards us this morning because he knows what we can become. And that's the exciting thing, right? It's not, it's not about, it's, and it's not a make-believe idea, but it's true. The person that you're becoming is far more exciting than, and, and far more impactful than anything you've done in your past. And the only way we can really achieve that is if we believe that, hey, God has for forgiveness and redemption for us this morning. <clears throat> okay, and so, uh, man, I just want to say it again, that God sees us for what we will become and not what we've done. So let's keep reading here in Ephesians 1, verse 9. <clears throat> Making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be the praise of his glory. Excuse me. And so, uh, man, what, is it, what does it really mean uh, that... Jesus is, uh, God sees us for what we will become and not for what we've done. Um, you know, I think the truth of that phrase is shown in the scripture here. That when Paul says, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things to him, things on heaven and things on earth. What he's really talking about is that, you know, before the fabric of the world was laid out, before he even chose us, there, God had a plan in mind to partner with humans. And that is something that's it's all over Genesis, it's all over the story of the Bible, that God desires to be with humanity. And why that is, man, I don't know why he chose humans, but he loves us and he cares for us and he wanted to do life with us. And so even before, um, 
you know, sin entered the world when Adam and Eve were there. God told them, hey, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Have dominion over creation, to rule over creation. That is what God had intended then, and that's what he intends for us now. And really, that's the ideal that he wants to join us back to. And that's what we're trying to become and walk into. Uh, and because of the story of the Bible, and because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we get to see clearly into that plan. You know, it's not hidden it's not hard to figure out. It's, it's very clear in the Bible what God's plan is for humanity. And, you know, I think about like what Jonathan does such a good, good job describing all the time is it's the now, but the not yet. You know, we're being made into somebody now, but it's not yet been fully realized. And it won't be until, we're, until, we, and until we meet Jesus again. But it's still the idea that like, hey, this, this plan that God has for our lives you know, everyone likes to say that. It's a nice Christian term, right? Hey, God has a plan for you. But if you don't really know what that is, then it can be hard to live out. And if you can understand that, hey, Jesus, when he chose me, wanted me to rule over creation. And there's a blueprint in the Bible on how that looks. And if we live out of that place, man, that's, when, that's really when the rubber meets the road. Amen? Okay. So a third identity check. Third identity check. Do you consider yourself a son or daughter? Because God considers you one. You know, I, I think that's important that this, um, you know, when we, when we believe in Jesus and we, when we know him intimately, uh, God calls us his sons and daughters. Right? So do you know yourself as a son and daughter? Do you know yourself that way? God considers you one. So in Ephesians uh, 1, verse 13, it says, In him... You also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Uh, it's pretty plain and simple here. The fourth identity checkpoint. If you believe in Jesus and are filled with the Holy Spirit, then you can be sure that your identity in heaven is secure. Right? If you believe in Jesus, if you've heard the gospel and you know, man, I need Jesus in my life, I believe in his life, death, and resurrection, and you were filled with the Holy Spirit, then it says right here that you were sealed with the promise who is the guarantee of your inheritance until you acquire possession of it. Right? There's, um, and so I, I don't know if anyone else can relate to this, but when I was, like I said, uh, in college and, and trying to figure out how to follow Jesus in real time, I often felt like unsure about my salvation. Like, man, I've made a lot of mistakes. Does God really forgive me? Like I said, am I going to heaven? But you know, this is just the truth of the, of the matter is that we don't have to waver back and forth on that. We can be certain. And one of the things I love about reading about the Holy Spirit is that Jesus was always saying that it was better for him to leave so that the Holy Spirit would come. And so that has major implications because Jesus accomplished a lot in his time on earth, and he's one of the most famous people in all of history. But uh, what's interesting is that why would, it be be why would it be better for him to leave? You know, it's because if, when we live with the promised Holy Spirit inside of us, our, our ability to do what he's asked us to on the earth becomes all the more possible. And it's only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, it just it gives me like a certainty, a confidence, man, because of the Holy Spirit, I can do and I can be the person that God created me to be. Like Jesse said last week, man, it gives me the freedom to know, hey, I'm exactly who God has made me to be. Um, and so what does this mean for us? You know, what does all this identity talk mean for us? How do you practically walk out the new truth that we've been talking about? Um, so I'm going to have some things for us to consider in prayer later on. Uh, when you go home, you can, you can do this. Uh, and I wish there was something more tangible 
for you know, walking in a new identity. I wish there was a six-point checklist. If you do these things, you'll walk in a new identity. But uh, what I know about walking out of an identity and walking into it, and, and so many people who have done it before me and after me, is that uh, it's so much of an internal wrestle with you and God. And so really what that looks like is praying and asking God to show you the old identities, uh, to reveal them to you, and to repent and walk in a new one. And so um, we're just going to do that. So uh, as, we're, as we're talking through this, I'll kind of explain it. But the first thing we should do to walk in a new identity is, in prayer, ask God, are there any old identities that I'm living out of right now? Right? Uh, you can write this down if you want, if it's helpful for you to remember. But, um, you know, practically what that looks like is getting to a quiet place with God and just, and just asking the question out loud or in your head, man, God, are there any old identities that I'm living out of right now? And, you know, sometimes God is gracious enough that as, as we hear a message like this, man, he, he's already showing us what that is. Uh, and so then the next thing would to be repent and ask God what identity that he wants you to live out of. And so repent, um, big, big Christian, Christianese there, you literally is to walk in the other direction, 180 degrees, right? So in this sense, if I'm walking in an old identity, um, a lot of times for me, I want to chase after success. And that's the identity that I can walk in. And so if I'm walking in an identity of success, then to repent would be to you know, stop and acknowledge, man, Lord, I've been walking in a false identity of success. But I want to walk in the identity you have for me. And to turn and walk towards God, not just to an empty space, but towards God to fill that with the identity that he has for us. And so, um, you know, maybe that's a little too abstract still for you. The best thing you can do then is to get somebody else involved, to tell somebody. Right. And so uh, having people who can have access to your life to say, hey, I, I feel like you're not acting like the way that you normally would. Or, hey, I feel like you're kind of off today. Or I've, I've noticed you've been saying this more. I've noticed this this uh, new habit you're kind of developing. Is that, you know, is that because of an identity thing or, you know, um, I'm so thankful for Jonathan and Jesse that they're, they're such good uh, people for me to balance things off of. But one time I was on the phone with Jonathan kind of describing to him how I had been walking in the past, you know, before I moved to Manhattan especially, had been walking out of this success-minded identity. And uh, what that looks like a lot of times is me looking at other like opportunities, right, to make myself more successful, whether that's to make a lot of money or to uh, look for a job somewhere else or, you know, just uh, my mind is not focused on the, like, where my feet are planted, right? And so Jonathan kind of just said that to me. He's like, hey, you know, I appreciate you telling me that, and it's, but it just seems like you're, you know, you've got to be where your feet are planted, and that's, like, going to be the biggest thing for you. And it was just such a refreshing word, like, oh, you know, it wasn't necessarily, like, I was excited that I had to tell him that, but it was like, <laughs> You know, like, hey, I need to hear that. I need, I need someone to tell me that truth. And, you know, and, and that's the identity that I want to walk out of, being where my feet are planted, being where God has called me. And so similarly for you, I believe that's what he has for you. Um, you know, and so I'll say it again. I kind of said it earlier, but the best thing about repentance is that when we truly um, know and, and believe in our hearts, hey, God has something better for me today, then he's quick to forgive us. You know, and it's not something where you have to beat yourself up or worry about the past, but... Man, it's, if it's the first time or the tenth time, if you know in your heart, man, I've, I've made a mistake and I want to, I want to, God, I want to do what you do, have for me, then repentance is, is quick to come to your doorstep. And, uh, you know, it's just like move on with a clear conscience. It's not something you have to hold over your head. So, uh, you know, when we start living out these identities, when, when that happens, when you've done this, when you've repented, when you've told somebody, I, I really feel like God gave me a word of, 
the fog will start to lift. And so when you think about driving on a, on a foggy highway or a foggy road, right, we, you have to go slow, there's some caution, you can't see what's in front of you, you can't peek out to the right or to the left because there's, you can't see anything. But as the fog lifts, right, you all of a sudden can become more bold, you can get more comfortable on the road, you know exactly what's around you and you know who's around you, right? And as God's people, it's really like we want to be people who are aware of who is around us. And it's our job to be the people to help others who don't know their God-given identity, to, who don't know how to live out of a victorious identity, to do just that. And so, um, you know, New Year's Eve is right around the corner, and uh, everyone's excited to get back in the gym. You know, uh, it's, 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 I was going to say something about somebody, I'm not going to say it. And it's just protect myself. And, but anyways, uh, you know, the, the New Year's resolution is to always get in, get in better shape. And, you know, people are excited about, hey, my body can take a new physical shape, right? Like, I, I've been not in the gym, I've been maybe not eating the best, but now there's an opportunity where I can look a little more brolicky and, and, and eat well. And you like that? <laughs> brolic, yeah, brolic. That's a good, that's a good a- ACT word for you. But um, no, uh, seriously though. And so, uh, but in a similar way, I believe that when we walk out of these identities, that there's like a fresh like excitement about who we can become. And certainly I know that that's how God feels us, that he is more excited about who we are to become than what we've done. So, um, man, I'm, I'm excited for what this means for us. I'm going to pray and then we'll close. So, God, we just thank you so much for this word this morning about um, just walking out of a victorious identity, that you've forgiven us, that we're lavished in redemption and forgiveness, that we are um, truly becoming people who can establish your plans on the earth, God. And we just thank you, Lord, that we can look to you as a father, that Jesus, we can look to you as a brother and a friend, that you're not some far off distant God, but that you're here present with us, Lord. And so I just pray for anyone who wants to walk out of a new identity today, God, that they would um, be, have the confidence to come near to you, God, that they would have the confidence to sit and to listen, to not get squirmy, but to just trust that, hey, there, there's something here for me today. Lord, we just thank you that, um, that your word is true, that, um, yeah, just thank you for the testimonies that are to come from this, God, that we can live victoriously. The shame, the embarrassment, the guilt, they have no place here. In Jesus' name, they have no place here. So, Lord, we thank you, we love you. It's in your name, amen. Amen.